Today, I want to talk to you about a, an important meeting that happened in the end of the book of Luke. If you're ever looking for a comprehensive uh, story of the, the life and ministry of Jesus, look at the book of Luke, because Luke was a physician, and so Luke was detail-oriented. And so I had the privilege of preaching through the book of Luke over the last five or six years, and I really like it. And now I'm preaching through the book of Acts, which is another book that Luke wrote, kind of as a sequel to the book of Luke. But today I want to bring your attention to the end of Luke chapter 24. And um, we are going to... We're going to look at this passage because we're going to see an important meeting that two people had with an important person on the road to Emmaus. And I've titled today's message, A Life-Changing Walk. Just a quick word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we open your word. I pray that you would uh, help us to learn what we need to learn and help us to uh, please you in it. I pray that we will leave here changed people better than when we came in. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so this life-changing walk, um, the first part of that is, is this story starts with a tale of hopelessness. Um, so I have a lot of verses to read, so I'm going to do that and then try to keep my comments brief so that we can move this along. But here's where we start our story. Luke 24, 13-20 says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. And I think, if I remember correctly, that's about seven miles. And they walked the whole way, so they're not in a hurry. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these um, that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering unto him, said, Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not known um, these things which are come to pass in these last three days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers have delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. Now at this point, these followers of Jesus, they don't know that Jesus is risen from the dead. And for some reason, which I do not know, maybe I'll ask God this when I get to heaven, Maybe I, I will intrinsically know it because I'll know a lot of things I don't know now. But either way, I'm very curious to find out why it was that so many times when Jesus appeared to people after his resurrection, he made their eyes blind first. Think about it. Mary Magdalene was looking for Jesus in the tomb. He wasn't there. And what did, they, what did she think he was? It says that she assumed that he was the gardener and she asked him where the body of Jesus had been laid, and when Jesus said her name, Mary, then she knew it was the Lord. And can you imagine the elation she felt? But in this situation, these 
people have Jesus walking right beside them and they don't know it's him for whatever reason. And what I find interesting about what Jesus did here is he didn't say, I'm the fulfillment of all this. He didn't say, I rose from the dead. You don't have to be sorrowing anymore. He challenged them and asked them, what things are you considering? Jesus was good at asking questions, and he didn't ask a lot of yes or no questions because he wants to know where people are at in their walk. He wants to know where we are when it comes to him. When Jesus is dealing with a person, even today, he wants to change that person. He says, come to me as you are, but I will not leave you there. I want you to come to me as you are, but I will not leave you there because I want you to be a different person for having been with me. And so, um, first of all, we know that Jesus drew near and walked with them. I think it's important for us to know that Jesus still does that today. He draws near, he says, draw near to God and I will draw near to you in the book of James. So he wants to be near you. He cares that they were sad. They were, he knew that they were sad. He saw their countenances and he said, why are you sad? And then they asked one of the most ironic questions in the history of mankind. When they said, do you not understand what happened in these last three days? Now, who do you think understood more than any of them what happened in the last three days? But Jesus himself. Because he was fighting the battle of the ages. They just saw him physically die. But what was really happening was God himself separated himself from his son, whereby Jesus would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he do that? He did that so that you and I could not be forsaken. Now, I could go on and on about that, but I won't. So I'll go on to the next point, and I'll talk about a shadow of a doubt. Luke 24, 21 to 24. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and they found not his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman has said, but him they saw not. Now I find it interesting that they were sorrowing and were sad, even though what they saw confirmed what the women said. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we need extra convincing? Like we, we know the truth. We've heard the truth all our lives, but we still don't believe it. So if I can encourage you to one thing, it's to believe the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so that is the point of discipleship, is to come to God as you are and to allow him to grow you. But you can't grow in him until you have a relationship with him. And so, even though these women came back with the testimony that Jesus was alive, they didn't believe. Women weren't held to a very high standard of proof in that day. But Jesus valued women. He showed us that over and over again, how he valued women. And I think it's significant that... Eve was the first one to sin 
first human to sin in the world. And then the first one to see Jesus rise, which was the confirmation of the end of sin, was a woman. I think that was intentional on Jesus' part. So you see a shadow of a doubt in these people, even though they've heard the truth, even though they've seen evidence of the truth, they still have a shadow of a doubt. So we see, first of all, that we have a, hopeless, a tale of hopelessness that they told Jesus, and then we have a shadow of a doubt. Then the third part is an undeniable truth. Then he said unto them, O fools, uh, Luke 24, 25-35, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said, spoken on now Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory in the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat and meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the way, and when he opened up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared unto Simon. And they told them the things that were done in the way, and how it was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, I just think there's a lot of richness here. First of all, he calls them fools. And at first you think that's kind of harsh, but this is Jesus we're talking about. He always spoke with authority. He never minced words. So I think somehow, even from him, even a word like that was in some ways encouraging because... Jesus is about to give hope. Okay, and then he goes through this whole Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament at this point. It was being written. And uh, he goes through the whole Old Testament and says, this is the testimony of Jesus. This is what Isaiah said about Jesus. He's going to die, but he's also going to, to, to be in a rich man's tomb because there was no sin in him. And then he's going to rise again the third day. And uh, so he goes through this whole thing. And then when he's breaking bread with them, their eyes are open and they know him. And then something very interesting happens. He vanishes out of their sight. He's showing what we have to look forward to with a glorified body. The glorified body that Jesus had, he was able to go through the doors of the upper room without ever opening the door. It says that he appeared to them, the doors being locked. Imagine if the doors are locked because you're trying to keep people out and all of a sudden this guy appears before you. And his words were not, you idiots, why didn't you believe me when I told you three times I was going to rise again? No, he said, peace be unto you. Why did he say peace? Because he took care of his sin. He allowed us to have peace with God because God no longer looks at me as a sinner even though I am. He looks at me as a righteous person because I have taken Christ's righteousness on myself and have given him my sin. It was the best deal I ever made in my whole entire life. And he's done great and amazing things through me since I made that decision. So I want to remind you, we started with a life-changing walk, a tale of hopelessness, a shadow of doubt, and an undeniable truth. 
The undeniable truth is that Jesus is risen. And he's active today. And he loves you and he cares for you. And I don't want you to ever, ever, ever forget how valuable you are to him. He made you for a purpose. And even if you don't feel that purpose right now, I can tell you, I was in your shoes. When I was your age, I felt hopeless. But God gave me hope. So hang on. I would love to talk to you if you have some time. You can go to my website, speakingforhim.com, and you'll find my email there, and you can send me a message if you want. I want to share with you the hope of Jesus, because the reality is, God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive. us and make your face to shine upon us. As this in Jesus' name, amen.